You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Good morning, everybody. My name is John Hart, and that's where a lot of you are at. You've been Christians for a while, and you're on the edge of the diving board because you don't know exactly what the next step is, or you're a little afraid to make the next step. My job this morning is to try to help you get over that fear and to try to explain to you what we as Christians can do to take the next step. Um, I'm going to refer back to my notes a little bit, and I know this is not very professional, but I just got to confess something to you. <laughs> I did this in the early service. I'm not used to PowerPoint. I know this information inside and out, and I was having to make sure that I didn't get out of order with the slides, and I just got totally baffled myself. So if you'll just excuse me, I'm going to refer back to my notes a little bit this morning, and hopefully it won't be too, uh, too distracting. What I want to start with this morning is I want, to, I want to give you a worldview. I want, to, I want to play a tape for you that is a worldview. A worldview is what a lot of people outside the church and some of the people, believe it or not, inside the church feel. I'm going to, I'm going to play that for you, and I want you to be listening to what they're saying because some of the stuff that's going to be said, you're going to go, oh, I would never say that. But I'm getting ready to show you that that's exactly the way that we live. Can you roll the tape? People can't make radical life changes, and I refuse to believe that I can do something to make a difference. I realize this may be a shock, but Jesus came to give us life to the fullest is a lie. Money will make me happy. That fact changes the way I think about everything. 2,000 years ago, a radical movement started with sacrifice and a resurrected savior. Sacrifice is a thing of the past. I do not concede that we will see God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In the future, we will withhold resources when people need generosity and love. No longer will it be said that God's glory echoes through the service and compassion of His people. It will be evident that our Father in heaven is silent. It is foolish to presume that something radical will happen. Wow. Do you see yourself in that at all? Do you hear the friends that you've got and the people that you work with outside the church echoing those types of sentiments? Do you see Christ active and important in your life or have we spent a life chasing money? I want my job, as I see it this morning, the message that God gave me is I feel like that there are a lot of Christians who are tied up even though they would never say those words out loud. They live their lives exactly like that is true. We're not doing anything for Christ because we don't know how. We're not doing anything for Christ because we're so wrapped up in ourselves. I want to take you to a verse in Galatians. because Throughout this next step, we've been talking in Galatians 5 and 6. And I want to take you to a verse in Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10, where the Lord says, Let us not become weary... In doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. 
I believe that if you're in here this morning, it's your desire to do better. I think that it is your desire to mature as Christians. I think that you want to do good for Christ. I think that you want to do good for other people. And yet you're weary. I think you've grown weary. And I think that uh, what I see in, in, within Christians is people who have gotten saved years ago. And they've not been discipled and they don't know what to do about it. They're standing, if it were, with their toes hanging off the edge of that diving board afraid to take the next step because they don't know what it means they're afraid of the unknown and that's what we're going to try to work through this morning so my goal is to help us as a church to break out of that pattern um, the first thing that we need to understand is that God's kingdom is what's called anti-theatical okay it's a long word that basically means the opposite in God's kingdom he says that the poor will be rich he says that the weak will be strong the wise will become as fools and the humble shall be exalted so in God's kingdom what do we need to do to be great in God's kingdom we need to become the servants of others so the what this morning is and this is what I want to do I believe from my leadership training in the past that people need to know what it is they need to do what's expected of them and then they need to know why why is that important and then thirdly they need to know how I want to give you that this morning this is going to be a very practical lesson on what you're expected what God expects of you how, why you would do that why it's important what's in it for you so to speak and then thirdly, we'll spend some time on practically how do I get that done. So this next step is serving others. In order to be great, we must serve others. We have to stop looking out for number one and begin to take care of those that are around us. I love there's a Coast Guard. I don't, some of you have probably watched this in a movie. Uh, but the Coast Guard swimmers have a motto that's over the door that they see every time that they go out and it's simply this so that others may live Coast Guard swimmers now that's not the Coast Guard motto that's the Coast Guard swimmers motto the, the motto is so that others may live I was online and, and uh, reading some stuff that a master chief in the Coast Guard wrote and he said we've got an unspoken code too and that is you have to go you don't have to come back their thing is, so that others may live. They are willing to sacrifice their lives so that others may live. They know when the call comes in that they are willing at a moment's notice to lay down their lives to save somebody on a fishing boat, a fishing trawler, or a sailboat that's out in the sea that's caught in a storm. That's admirable. We've got people right now in other countries around the world who are away from home, who are away from their wives, who are away from their children, living in miserable conditions. Some of them are in the desert in Iraq and Afghanistan, sleeping in tents. Why? Why would they do that? Because they're called to be a part of something that's bigger than them. They understand that there's a cause out there. And their life has purpose and meaning because they're a part of that. 
and they're willing to give up the comforts that we have here and the freedoms that we have here to live in those kinds of conditions so that others may live. That's what we, as a church, should be doing. I think as a church, we want to do that. I think, I hope I'm not giving you too much credit, but I think if I got to speak to each one of you individually and I got to ask you if that's what you want to do in your Christian walk, if that's what you want, if you wanted to make a difference in somebody else's life, were you willing to give up some of your comfort to help somebody else? I believe that almost everybody in here would say yes. But we run into two problems. Here's the two snags that we have. I don't have the time and I just don't feel qualified. I just don't have the time is the first one and I tell you what I'm going to deal with that later in the how to section okay because I'm going to give you some practical advice on how you can find more time uh, the truth is we find time for whatever's important to us okay we just don't make this a priority and so therefore uh, we don't think that we have the time you've got 24 hours a day I'll just give you a little um, uh, a little time management secret here it's not really a secret but I'm going to give it to you anyway you've got 24 hours in a day I've got 24 hours in a day. You know what you're going to do with that 24 hours? You're going to fill it up. Some of you sleep six hours a night. Some of you sleep eight hours a night. Some of us sleep eight and a half hours a night, if we're lucky. But whatever we're awake, we fill up. You might fill it up with good stuff. You might fill it up with bad stuff. But you're going to fill it up. So, now you can let the world fill up your 24 hours, or you can decide how you're going to spend your 24 hours. Most of the world allows the pressures of life and job and family and kids to fill up their 24 hours and they get to the end of the day exhausted and they go, man, I'd love to do something for God. I just ain't got any more time left. I mean, I can't do any more. I'm doing all I can do. But we'll, in the how-to section, we'll find out that that's not necessarily the case. Second thing is that people don't feel qualified or they don't know how they can contribute. And I'm going to, that's part of what I'm getting ready to deal with now. A lot of people simply don't put forth the effort because they think, who, who am I? I'm just one person. What good can I do? And soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan may feel the same way. I'm just one guy. How can I make a difference? But together, as a unit, they can make a world of difference. But even individually, there are stories of heroic acts that are coming the news doesn't really cover it, except Fox News maybe, but, but normally we, we hear the bad. We don't hear a whole lot of good news. But there's, there's acts of heroism coming out of these countries where one man made a difference. But you know what? Even in the United States, do you guys remember in the news a few, maybe months ago now, where a, where a lady fell onto the subway tracks in New York and a homeless man jumped onto the tracks and pushed her down and laid down on top of her so that the train could go over them and saved her life. Do you remember that? Do you think he made a difference? I think he made a difference. He even got to meet the president. The president thought he made a difference. Remember the uh, couple, again, a couple months ago, do you remember the airplane that landed in the Hudson River? Airplanes aren't made to land in the Hudson River. Well, the Hudson River wasn't made to land airplanes in either. Okay? Hundreds of people on an airplane and a, and a pilot who had an engine fail because birds flew into the, into the engine had engines fail and he landed the airplane in the river and saved hundreds of lives. 
Did one man make a difference that day? One man made a difference that day. You know what? Do you know, how, a friend of mine's a, an airplane pilot for Delta, and I, and I called him up and I said, how big a deal is that to land an airplane on, on the Hudson? He said, dude, that's what we train for. That's what we spend our life getting ready for. We practice, we, we plan, we use simulators, we train all the time for that day that the engine fails, for that day that the, that the wheels don't come down, for that day that there's a disaster or a catastrophe. He said, that's what we train for. He said, the guy's a hero. He said, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But you know what? He just did what he's supposed to do. He just did his job. Now think about that. Hundreds of lives were saved because a man simply just did his job. He did it well, but he just did his job. Back in 1936, I think it was, down towards Charlotte, there was a guy having, uh, back, back in the day, they used to do a lot of tent revivals, uh, big tent revivals, you know, and people would come from all over to these tent revivals. And there was a guy preaching that was from, not from around here, he was from up north, and um, they were having this tent revival, and every night they had it, it was packed. And there was a couple men who came out of curiosity, um, because, it, I mean, you got the big tent, you've got people coming from all over, it's packed, there's people everywhere. And these two men went in uh, to see basically what all, all this was about. And they couldn't find a seat. And so they turned to leave. And as they were leaving, there was an usher at the back who stopped them. He said, boys, whoa, 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 whoa. where are you going? They go, well, there's no seats. He goes, oh, come on, I'll find you a seat. He took the two boys in, and he walked them down, and he moved some people, and he found them a seat and got them to sit down. One of those boys got saved that night. All of eternity changed because of that usher. Do you understand the importance of how one person can make a difference in the lives of others? Had that usher had any misunderstanding of what his job was, he would have thought, well, I handed him a bulletin. I did my job. But it was more than that. He knew his real job was to minister for Christ. He knew that his real job was to help people meet Jesus. And when he saw two boys getting ready to leave, he went and got them, brought them back in, found them a seat. I'm glad he did because one of those boys was Billy Graham. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to be in heaven because of an usher who understood what ministry was all about. Can one man make a difference? I think that he can. Now, the problem with that is, I say, can one man make a difference? And you say, absolutely. And I say, can you make a difference? No, not me. I think other people can make a difference. I think God can use other people. He used people in the Bible. I think he can use other people. But you're still standing on the edge of the diving board with your toes hanging over because you haven't taken the leap of faith yet because you don't really believe that God can use you. You know, the funny thing is, we don't even know the usher's name. We know Billy Graham. And I don't know, you know, obviously Billy Graham didn't become um, world famous the night that he got saved. So that usher never knew the kid's name probably. He just did his job well. 
How, how can we affect the kingdom of God just by doing our job well? Ministry in the church has mis- been misunderstood. One of the reasons that we as a group don't go out and use what skills God has given us to, to minister outside the church is we misunderstand ministry. Most of you, if you're honest with yourself, if I tell you to list five things in ministry, you would list probably a preacher. You would probably list uh, the associate pastor. You would list the youth pastor. You would list the uh, praise and worship leader and maybe something else. I doubt inside your list, I doubt that there would be anything about uh, a guy that runs a landfill. I'll tell you about that later. Uh, You probably wouldn't think of an usher, but I just told you how an usher has a huge impact on ministry. You probably wouldn't list a lot of other things because we see ministry as what the preachers do. The truth is ministry is for all of us, not just what the preachers do. You know what this is? In here today, this is a holy huddle. You ever watch football? Everybody watches football. This is the huddle, people. In football, the team doesn't wait for the game to get prepared. They prepare for days and months, sometimes years, for the game. In the game, what they do is they huddle because they want to get their plan together. They all want to be on the same page. They get together and they decide what play they're going to run. And then they go run the play. The, The game is never won or lost because they huddled for four quarters nothing would get done they huddle to make a plan and then they break to go play the game church is the holy huddle it's where we come to find out what it is we're supposed to do it's where we come to be energized it's where we come to be equipped it's where we come to learn how to do ministry but we have to break the holy huddle and go out into the world and do ministry If we just stay in the huddle, we're useless to the team. Does that make sense? But that brings us back to the point of you thinking, but what can I do? What can one individual do? You're not the quarterback. Maybe Lynn's the quarterback. He's the pastor of the church. But you know what? Everybody on a football team has a job and everybody's important. Don't underestimate yourself because that's what Satan wants you to do. Satan really wants you to underestimate yourself. He wants you to feel unqualified. Because if you love God, he knows if he comes to you and tells you that God is a waste of your time, that God doesn't love you, God doesn't have any plans for you, God is useless to you, you'd say, you'd bow up. You'd say, that's not true. He knows that. So there's no, there's no sense in him coming to you and making a frontal assault. What he'll do is he'll come to you and he'll go, yeah, God's powerful and God can heal and God can do all that stuff. What you got? What, what, what kind of skills you got? Yeah, you just, it'd be nice if you was one of those, you know, that, that did ministry. That'd be cool, but, you know, you just don't. He sold you. He has sold you a lie that tells you that you are unqualified to do ministry, that you are unqualified to reach other people's lives. He's sold you a lie from hell that says that you don't have what it takes to impact the lives of those people around you. And you know what? The end result is the same. He's neutralized you and nothing gets done. 
Ultimately, his plan has worked because in a, in a congregation this size, you could have 200 people and there'll be 20 actually doing ministry for the Lord. Maybe 40. If it's the 80-20 rule, it's 40. Okay. He's neutralized everybody else primarily because he has sold you a bill of goods that's told you that, you, that you're unqualified. So that brings us to the why. Before I can go to the how, I need to explain to you the why. Why would we do this? Why should I even concern myself with others? What's the big deal? Folks, God created us to do this. There's a hole inside of us that no amount of cars and money and wealth and fame will fill. We were created by God. We were created in His image. And we were created to fulfill a purpose in life. He wants us to have meaning. And that meaning won't come any other way than ministering to other people. And you can look at this, if you don't believe me, you could look at this in Hollywood. You, you can find out that the, there's people who have all kinds of money and all kinds of cars and, and all kinds of fame. And they're miserable and they're empty. And their marriages are breaking up and they're committing suicide. And they're on drugs and alcohol every day on the news. Because they're miserable, because there's an emptiness. Stuff of this world will never satisfy that. You're, you were not created to sit in a lazy boy and get carpal tunnel by running the remote. That's nice. It's, it's nice to take a break. It's nice to unwind at the end of the day. There's nothing wrong with... Well, I'm saying there's nothing wrong with... I'm not saying that TV's wrong. I'm just saying that that's not what is going to be fulfilling to you. That's not what creates in you that, anything that fills up that void that we have. But serving people, serving God, will. It's just like we're in God's army, and it's just like those guys in Afghanistan who are, who, or, or Iraq or wherever it is, or Germany, and, and, and they're away from their families, and they're away from everything that makes them feel good, and they're away from their kids. Some of them have had kids that are born that they haven't even got home to see, and yet there's a fulfillment and a contentment in their life because they're a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And there's fulfillment in knowing that they are protecting our freedoms. We as Christians, what greater call do we have than to reach the world for Christ, to serve others in hopes that they might want to know our Savior? We do what we do. We serve others. We do these different ministries in hopes that we will become a lighthouse that they are so attracted to in the storms of life that they want to know what it is that we've got. They want to know what makes us different. Because they see a difference in us from the rest of the world. The flesh cannot be satisfied. The more you give it, the more it demands. If, if you love money, you will never have enough of it. You love it, and you love earning it, and you love collecting it, and you love putting it in bank accounts. And no matter how much you get, it'll never be enough. Because you cannot satisfy the flesh. If boys or girls is your thing, you'll never be satisfied. No matter how, much, how many affairs you have, no matter how much pornography you look at, no matter how many tryst or secret rendezvous you have, it will never be enough because the flesh cannot be satisfied by feeding it what it thinks it wants. Satisfaction only comes through Christ. And that's the, thing, that's the one thing that we're not doing. 
We're spending our lives, spinning our wheels, trying to gain money, trying to gain fame, trying to get the opposite sex to like us or whatever it is we're doing. And, and, and we spend our lives empty. And the one thing that would fill us up, the one thing that would give us meaning and purpose is the one thing that we don't do because we feel like we're unqualified. How many of you... Now, nah, don't raise your hand. Uh, now, nah, you better not raise your hand because not everybody in here is going to be able to raise their hand probably. But how many of you in the past have taken an angel off of an angel tree or you've adopted a family for Christmas and you bought them instead of getting gifts for yourself or in addition to your gifts you bought a bunch of gifts and you took it to a family that would not have Christmas any other way I mean they wouldn't have had a gift any other way you've bought shoes for a family that didn't have shoes maybe you've bought food for a family that wouldn't even have Thanksgiving if you didn't buy them food because they have no money uh, maybe you've stopped on the side of the road and helped a, a, a single mom or a lady with kids in the minivan who's had a flat tire and you stand out in the rain beside the highway and change her flat tire so that she doesn't have to. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other examples. How many of you have done stuff like that in the past? Don't raise your hand. Just remember it. And as soon as I started talking about you doing something for somebody else, it came to mind. You remember it. There was a time in your life when you, for most of you, that you did something. You went above and beyond. You took care of somebody else that couldn't take care of themselves. You did for them what they couldn't do for themselves. You paid a bill for them or you helped them in one way or the other. Do y'all remember that? Shake your head if some of you remember a time in your life that you did that. Now tell me what you got for Christmas three years ago. Tell me what you got for Christmas two years ago. You remember helping some lady change her attire on the side of the road seven years ago, and you don't remember what you got for Christmas two years ago. You remember taking an angel off an angel tree and spending $200 to buy five kids gifts for Christmas, and it made you cry, and you remember that, and you can't remember what you got yourself for Christmas two years ago. Because we're not built to take. That's not what satisfies us. We're built to give. We're built, we're made to build into others. When it's done for the right reasons, it's not just a feel-good. When it's done for the right reasons, you honor God. And I'll tell you why you honor God. You honor God because in order for you to do something for somebody else, it meant that something that you wanted went undone. For you to spend $200 on another family for Christmas meant that was $200 that you didn't get to spend on yourself. For you to help a, a, a lady on the side of the road with a flat tire meant that you gave up your safety so that she could sit in the vehicle while you changed her tire and you took the rain and you took the danger. You gave up your freedom for hers just for that brief time. The reason that it's such a big deal to God is because we are, we are laying down ourselves. We are laying down our wants to pick up what He wants us to do. We are serving others. And in that, we create a scenario where they see something different in us. The whole world is working their hind ends off, trying to earn all that they can earn and gain all they can gain and collect all they can collect and buy all they can buy. And they see you put a put aside what you want to give to something else they see you put aside 
your life to help somebody else's life. And it shakes them at their foundation. Those people who believe that, that worldview that we just played on the screen, it shakes them at their very foundation when they see that. That makes no sense to them. Why would you give up what you've got for somebody else? Because see, all they've got is from birth to death. And they've got to collect everything they can collect between birth and death, because that's all they got. As far as they know, there's no heaven, there's no hell, or they don't want to believe in it, or they're just choosing to be like an ostrich and stick their head in the sand. I don't want to think about it. Birth to death, that's all they've got. They've got to collect all they can get in that span of time. For us, it's different. I'll give up this whole life for eternity. God gave his life up so that I could have eternity. And he says, look at some verses here. Let's go to the next screen. Matthew 6, 24. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. There's nothing you've ever done with the right motives for somebody else that God doesn't know about. Think about that. He saw you helping that lady change her tire. He saw that time when you gave that $20 bill to somebody who needed it. He saw that. Nobody else saw that. He saw that. He goes even further. Go to the next slide. Oops, sorry. Same chapter, chapter 6, a couple verses down. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you couple verses down from that in the same chapter and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you three times in the same chapter he says I see it I get it I'm proud of you nobody else saw it but I saw it I saw what you did and it means something to me and I'll take care of you I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you later three times in the same chapter Let's move on to the how. That brings us to the how. So you're thinking to yourself, I can't do any more than I'm already doing. Now, we've talked about the 24 hours. Everybody's got 24. How we spend it is different. And I'm not asking you... Part of the reason that, that in a message like this, people will turn me off is because they go, Oh, he's talking about ministry again. I can't do any more than I'm already doing I have nothing left to give my, hour, my days are so full I don't get enough sleep the way it is and so they discount the fact that they should be doing any kind of ministry they just go ahead and discount it because they figure they, they don't have any more time I'm not asking you to do more anything more on top of what you're already doing here's what I'm asking you to do I'm asking you to eliminate some stuff that you're already doing I'm asking you to take a look at your schedule and see what's in your schedule that's not as important as ministry. You're fishing and golfing and working and watching TV and mowing the yard and all of these other things that, that in and of themselves are not bad and in and of themselves are necessary. But God didn't call us to be workaholics. He didn't call us to sit on a recliner all day and watch TV. There's some of you that watch enough TV, you could just cut your TV time in half and be in full-time ministry. Okay? You, I, 
I asked my wife, how much HGTV can you watch? Right? You can, people buying bigger houses than what we've got, you know, and they're, and they're buying these mansions in the Caribbean, and, you know, and I'm sitting there with holes in my underwear and my socks eating cereal out of a chip bowl, feeling pretty good about myself, you know, while they're buying $6 million houses in the Caribbean. How much of that stuff? I'm not asking you to add anything to your schedule. I'm asking you to eliminate some stuff, trade off. I'm asking you to eliminate some stuff that's less important and tell God this. You know what? I spend too much time Twittering and Facebooking and blogging, God. I'm not, some of you do, some of you don't. I'm just an example. You know what? I, 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 you know, I just get on there to kind of catch up with friends. The next thing you know, it's an hour and a half later. So you know what I think I'll do? God, I'll do this. I, 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 I want to keep up with my friends. But I'm going to set a little egg timer. And for 30 minutes. And I'm going to get on Facebook. And I'm going to catch up with some friends. And I'm going to twit and do whatever y'all do. I don't know what that is. But, um, but when that egg timer goes, ding, I'm done. I'm moving on to something more important. Okay, I love Discovery Channel. But I can sit down to watch one Discovery Channel. And, and two hours, three hours later, I go, Oh, wow, I've blown the whole evening. It's time to go to bed. So I will tell myself, I will watch one Discovery Channel show. I'll pick which one is the most important because I can just get lost in that stuff. The Learning Channel, the Discovery Channel, the History Channel. Okay? So I'll, I'll tell myself, I will watch one because you know what? There's more important stuff in my life than the History Channel. I love it, but there's more stuff important. And I will not allow my study time and my Bible time and my ministry time and helping others fade because of Discovery Channel. It was a day a couple weeks ago that I had a family that came to me. Uh, I got a call out of the blue. I hadn't talked to this girl, I guess, in eight years. I coached her in volleyball a long time ago in high school. And she called me up and she said, me and my husband are coming out of a cult and she said, we've been in it for, for uh, eight years. And she said, They've, they, we, we're leaving the cult and they're shunning us. So in this cult, you sold everything that you had and you gave it all to them. And so when, you know, when they want to leave, there's nothing. They have, they have no car. They have no house. They, have, they had a suitcase with, their, with a few clothes and their baby's clothes in it. She said, I don't know where to go. I have no place to live. I know that we have to get out of there because we've seen, we understand that what they're teaching is false. I have no place to go. Okay? Now, I got a call to make. She called me early in the morning. No, she didn't. She called me in the afternoon. And I have a decision to make. I've got work up to here, just like the rest of you do. I've got to do, I've got to do list to tell me to check my to-do list. I've got so many posty notes. I've got some stuff that if I don't get it done on time, on a deadline, I'm going to lose money. I got all that on this side. I got a husband and a wife and a one-year-old on this side who needs somebody to help them. My 24 hours is full. But you know what? I didn't actually have to pause because I already know this, knew this stuff. I know my income does not come from the t-shirts that I print. My income comes from God. And I said, God, I'm going to stop everything. And I've got to work on this. And, and, and I need you to bless this. And at some point, when we're done with them, 
I'm going to be in a hole over here work-wise. I need you to make that up for me. And I spent all that rest of that day and the entire next day and part of the third day until I had them in a home, in a church, in a safe environment where the people from the cult couldn't get to them and that kind of thing. And it cost me two solid days of work. And if I was foolish enough to think that my money comes from my job, I'd be hurting. But I'm smart enough to know that my money comes from God. And He might use my job to give me money, or He might not. But I did what was important to help the kingdom. God will take care of the budget. Does that make sense? You guys are going to be faced with that exact same thing this coming week. You've got a chance. You're on the edge of the board. Your toes are hanging over. You've got a call to make. You're going to stand there forever, or you're going to take the next step. And it's going to cost you something else when you do. Whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Everything that we do, everything that we do that's going to be lasting and purposeful and meaningful is going to be because we do it for Christ. There's nothing in it for us. Matter of fact, we bring God the most glory when there's nothing in it for us. When we're simply doing it to help other people and we're doing it for the kingdom's sake. God rarely calls the qualified. He qualifies the called. You guys have heard that before. Okay? What that means is, or the way that we need to look at it today, is there's a whole lot of you that are qualified to do ministry and you're still shutting me off when I say that because you're still a large portion of you when I say you are qualified to do ministry you're still saying no I'm not this doesn't apply to me this must be for the guy beside me over here because it's not for me I'm getting ready to show you how it applies to you okay so just trust me for now that it applies to you but even if you believed it you may not react to it you may not move on it because you feel like you're not qualified He's not calling you because you're qualified. He calls you to act out of obedience. When you act out of obedience, He will qualify you. He will make you ready when the time is right if you're willing to take the first step. If you wait, if you wait until you're qualified, you'll never be used. That's very similar to, to people that I've tried to witness to and I'm trying to explain to them that they need Christ. That... that they've got sin in their life like we all do and that God although he loves them with everything he's got he loves them but he is a holy God he is so holy that he cannot be around sin at all so now he's got this person who he loves and he can't be around them because they've got sin in their life so he sent Jesus to die for their sins Jesus covers up their sins so that they can have communion and they can have a relationship with God the Father. But you know what? I'm witnessing to these people who are living in sin and I'm trying to get them to understand that they need Jesus, that He can radically transform their life. And you know what they tell me a lot of times? I'm just not good enough. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You know, I need to, I need to quit drinking and, and smoking and cussing and running around on my wife and stealing and whatever else they're doing and 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 I'm, I'm working on that i'm trying to get better habits and once i get cleaned up then i'll i'll come to jesus is that the way it works 
No, because you'll work all of your life trying to get better on your own. You, won't, you can't beat that stuff. You ask Jesus to save you right where you are in your ugly, miserable, fallen condition. And then the Holy Spirit of God enters into you and He helps you clean up all that other mess. You guys get that. And now you're starting to say, yeah, amen. Now you get it. Well, you know what? That's what it is with the qualified. You, don't, you guys are saying, I'm, not, I, I, I'm going to try to get more time. I'll, I'll try to have better habits. I'm going to try to do something for God. I'm going to try to clean up my act. And then I'll be in ministry for God one of these days. It doesn't work that way. You just tell God, right where I'm at, I don't think I've got anything to offer. I, I don't even think I've got any skills that you can use. But right where I'm at, right now, right today, I'll tell you, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then the Holy Spirit of God will enter the situation and He will see to it that you can minister to other people. It doesn't work the other way around. You've got to stop allowing Satan to talk you into waiting until you feel ready. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to start giving you some examples because I want you to see, I want you to think outside the box a little bit. Part of this, what, why, how thing relates to the fact that you're struggling as I talk about ministry because you only see ministry in a very, very narrow view of what the preacher does. Okay? Um, and and you, you would probably give me credit with the praise band who did a great job who have spent hours behind the scenes that you've never that you don't know about how many times they've got together how many years they've worked on playing the drums and the guitars and stuff like that and now they're using it for God's glory and they're getting together as a band and they're practicing for hours you don't see that but you know what Jesus said I see it I see what you're doing and I'll, he'll reward them for that okay Andrew helps me with all these notes and with all this PowerPoint, which has got me totally baffled today, trying to keep up with the PowerPoint, make sure I don't get my notes out of order. Okay. He was here this morning like 6 o'clock in the morning. He was working with me on his day off yesterday so he could make changes. Because I, mean, I was calling him on his cell phone. The day before that, we were making changes. All this is going on so that he can sit up there and you guys don't know who he is. Because he ain't doing it for you. But you know what? Without him... The presentation is not as powerful. It doesn't impact you. You don't have the fill in the blanks and, and you don't have the visual aids that help you get it. That's part of ministry. It's important because you know what? Because he's a techie. He likes electronic stuff and God's using that. The musicians love music. They just love making music and God's using that. We're afraid, I think to surrender to God because we're scared to death he's going to send us to Africa I know, I know we got a couple of girls going to Africa okay? uh, but that's what we're afraid of I had a Sunday school class and I asked him one time I said who in here believes in God everybody raise their hand because it's not a Sunday school class there's 20 of them yeah, everybody raise their hand. I said no 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 listen I'm being serious who really really trust God and they all raise their hand every one of them I said okay you're not getting it I'm saying I'm saying, who in here, and this would work for you too, you guys can, if I had the contracts, I said, who in here really trusts God with everything they've got, who's willing to put their life on the, who trusts your, who trusts God with your life? You trust Him with anything. And they all raised their hand again. I said, okay. 
I had a contract written up before class that said, Dear God, I want to serve you more than anything. I want to be obedient to you more than anything else in my life. And I will go anywhere. I will do anything. I will sell anything you tell me to sell. I will move anywhere you tell me to move. I will say anything to anybody that you tell me to. I'll do. I'll go. I'll sell. I'll do anything that you want me to do. Just sign right there at the bottom. And hand them out. I had three. I got 17 of them folded up like they had signed it and put it in the thing. They didn't sign it. Because you know what? When it gets down to the brass tacks, you're afraid to ask God what he'd have you do because you're scared of what he might require of you you're afraid he's going to make you go to Africa as a missionary but what you miss is that God calls us and prepares us and equips us to do what ministry he wants us to do well in advance of asking us to do it I've known people in addition to the girls that are going to uh, to Africa for a mission trip I've known people who were full-time missionaries for Africa who by the t- when God called them, they got so excited that by the time they left, they could not wait to go to Africa. It was a passion that burned inside of them to go to Africa. They, I've never known one to go to Africa, or to any mission field, kicking and screaming while God's got them by the nap of the neck, dragging them, you're going to Africa. He doesn't do that. Have you ever known a missionary that did that? No, because the point that, that Satan tries to hide from us is that he, that God has already equipped you and called you. He has already made you ready and given you skills for what He needs in ministry. You've already got it. It's already a passion for you. He's, it is already built into you what He wants you to do in ministry. I'm going to give you an example. Chris, can you come up here for me? This is Chris Weichlin. Am I saying it right? Weichlin or Weichlin? I'll let him tell you. Um, it's Weigel. Weigel? Weigel. Weigel, sorry. Yeah. Close. Tell, um, tell, us how, tell us how this works in you. You're in ministry now. Chris is part of King, on King, King of Kings skateboard ministry. These guys flew in from California to help Brad and Brandy do the skate jam yesterday. Chris. Chris, Yeah. Chris is part of 14 people going to heaven that wouldn't go any other way. Some of them would never go any other way. Now, how do you use skateboards for Jesus? Well, um, I got into skateboarding when I was younger, and uh, I just loved everything about it. And to make a long story short, I got to a point in my life where I realized that I was running from, from God, and and really what he wanted to do with my life. And um, I just realized that everything was created by God and for God. And that he was about my joy and, and his glory. And, um, and what I had to offer was skateboarding. And uh, to a lot of people, it, it's not much. It's just it's a toy. It's a piece of wood with wheels. But um, there's, a, there's a, a ton of people, a ton of kids out there um, that love skateboarding that are lost and and that that would only listen to myself or some of these guys that skate and um i mean they say that skateboarding outnumbers the kids that are playing little league baseball these days and that's that's a lot of kids and so i finally gave up running and just said all right god like 
if you want to use skateboarding, then use it, and, and I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do, and I'll go wherever you want me to go. And, and it is scary, like you were saying. It's scary to, to put your trust in God and say, like, all right, you know, God, you, you direct me where you want me to go. But I began to realize that God is about our joy and his glory. And, and you know, the Bible says that those who delight themselves in the Lord, you know, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And, and I love to travel, and I love... Um, to help people out and to share with them that hope of Christ and and I love skateboarding and I've gotten to do that all around the world I've gotten to um, go back and forth across the United States and I've gotten to hang out with amazing people like you and um, that's all because I I gave skateboarding to God and said all right God use this stupid toy that you've amen. given me that's it so amen thank you very much that's, that's fine sure skateboarding we've got kids brad and brandy's doing this skateboard ministry and bmx bikes ministry here at the church they've been doing it for a long time because brad's got a passion to reach kids that the church can't reach he's got kids that come out here on sunday and they'll skate and ride bicycles for several hours and and brad and brandy make sure that they've got free food inside they won't come in and get the free food this place doesn't even look like a church but they know it's a church and they're so afraid of the church that they won't even come inside to get free food. Okay? There's a world out there that believes that worldview that I played for you at the beginning. They'd have no use for God. They've not seen anything in us that makes them want God. That's sad. So now you have a ministry. You have a man. You have a group of guys right there who are using bicycles and skateboards to reach a group of people that the church will never reach. Now, if they can skateboard for Jesus, surely to goodness you can start finding something that you can do for Jesus. I know a guy in Texas. He's a recycler. I told you I'd tell him about him. He's a trash guy. He's a recycler. Okay? He's saying, God, I, I want to be a part of your kingdom. I, I want to do so I want to make a difference. But I do trash. I don't know how you can use trash, God, but you're God. He started a, re a, a non-profit recycling center because he said... You know, God began to show me that people don't recycle. A lot of people don't recycle just because it's too inconvenient. And there's, you know, and they, it's just another tub that they have to drag up to the top of the hill when the, when the recycling truck comes by. He says, so what I'm going to do is, is if they'll send me their recycling stuff, I'll recycle it and every dime I make, I'll give to ministry. He's now supporting about, I think, nine or ten different ministries with trash. He's a trash guy. And you guys are sitting there thinking that you're unqualified, okay? When my wife, a couple years ago, went through um, chemo because of her cancer, uh, there were little ladies who we never met who knit toboggans and hats because that's what little grandmas do. They knit. So how am I going to knit for Jesus? And they knit hats for these ladies who are going through chemo who are losing their hair. She had another lady personally uh, there was a friend of hers that did this for everybody in the church that went through a, 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 an ill a serious illness or whatever and she would make a blanket and she called it a prayer blanket and she would knit this whole blanket for whoever in the church was going through uh, a physical sickness of some sort and she would bring it down and she would lay it on the altar and everybody in the church would come up come up and pray over that prayer blanket 
And then she would present that to the person that was sick. And she gave Kathy one. And so Kathy's literally taken her chemo, covered up with a blanket that's been prayed over and knitted by somebody in the church. That's ministry. That took her time. But that's powerful. We've already talked about an usher who's changed the world. Do you guys give me credit that, that um, Billy Graham has changed the world? Yeah, okay. Billy Graham's changed the world because an usher took his job serious. You see the difference? You ever heard of the cowboy church? There's hundreds of them now. And it started by a guy who was a cowboy. He loved to, to, to ride horses and, and have a ranch and, and do the rodeo thing. And so while they were at the rodeo, he was having church at the rodeo. But he realized that he wasn't really able to connect with people at the rodeo. So he was doing what we were doing at the racetrack. Because I raced motorcycles. We did the same thing. We led people to the Lord at the racetrack who had never been in church before. I had a 30-year-old man who I led to the Lord, had never set foot in... He lives in America. How can you live in America 30 years and never go to church? That's just beyond me. But they're out there. And they, they see no need for us. We're not making a difference. They don't have any use for us. That worldview is their view. That God's just... He's powerless. He's useless. I don't see any need for it. And money brings me happiness. He was one of them. Met him at the racetrack. Raced with him. Prayed for him for six years. Led him to the Lord at my kitchen table in November, a year and a half ago. Churches wasn't going to get him. God needs us to go out. He needs us to, to huddle and get our game plan together, but then he needs us to break the holy huddle and go do something, to be a part of the game. Cowboy Church did the same thing, except he's ministering to cowboys in, instead of motorcycle racers. Um, I know of a, uh, a fighter that was here yesterday at the skate jam. He's a, a mixed martial arts fighter, like you guys, some of you watch on TV and that kind of thing. But he wanted to do it for the Lord. He's a fighter. That's what he does. He's a skateboarder. That's what he does. Okay? I'm a t-shirt printer. That's what I do. God takes us where we're at. He takes this mixed martial arts fighter, okay, who then begins to put Bible verses on everything that he gives out because people are clamoring to get this stuff because, you know. And now they're finding out that these Bible verses are going all over the place. They, they got a call from a guy in California that used a Frisbee that had Bible verses on it. They used the Frisbees out there to do an outreach program to the gangs and had the whole, well, the leader of the gang got saved first. <laughs> then the whole gang got saved, 40 of them, over a Frisbee with a Bible verse on it. God can use anything. And then the next week or two, something like that after that, the rival gang shows up at church. And they thought, that's not good. Because um, we got this whole gang here, and the other gang's in the parking lot. And this gang went out there and led them all to the Lord. Now, both gangs are working together on missionary trips overseas. <laughs> These are inner city gangs in Southern California. Because a mixed martial arts fighter decided that whatever it was he was going to do, he was going to do it for Christ. And then just last week on his blog, he led somebody out, in, out west somewhere to the Lord over the internet. Because, and why did they contact him? Were they looking for somebody by his name? No. He, he has some fame. He has some notoriety because of what he does. And he parlayed that into the chance to talk to people and meet people and lead them to Christ. That's what God wants you to do. Take whatever you're already good at and use it for Christ. I know pilots 
who fly angel flights. Uh, they use the, and it's pilots. They're pilots. That's what they do. So they have airplanes. They love to fly. How am I going to use that for God? They've put together something called angel flights that some of you guys might have heard of. They use their planes to fly people who are sick or who need to get from one medical facility to another or whatever. They do life flights and this kind of thing with their airplanes because that's what they do. Eric Tim, if you guys remember the painting that we had on the back of the wall, he's an artist. He said he grew up doing art. That's what he loved to do. Now he uses art to lead people to Christ, to teach them lessons in the Bible because he's an artist. Do you, does that sound like he went kicking and screaming? Did Chris kind of come across as somebody that just reluctantly went into ministry? No. Because Satan has sold us a false bill of goods and he's got us scared to death to, to, to surrender to God. He's going to ask us to do something we don't want. You're already built for this, people. You've already got it. He's already given you what you need to do ministry. You just hadn't tapped into it yet. What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that you're good at? If a grandma can knit hats, toboggans for Jesus, can you not do something for Jesus? If a, if a, if a recycler in Texas, a trash guy, if a trash guy can do trash for Jesus? Is there not something that you can do in your life for Jesus? I got a friend of mine who's in the, he's a truck driver. He's in, well, he actually doesn't drive the truck now. He's over the truck drivers, okay? But he's a Christian. So he got together with a bunch of other Christian truck driver, whatever they are, uh, transportation specialists, okay? And now they have a group of them who are all Christians who together pull their resources and pull their trucks and all of them will say, I'll give you one truck uh, a month. You know, I'll backhaul something. And they're back. They're helping ministries. They're helping individuals. They're helping people. All because a group of them got together and decided, you know what, what we do? We drive trucks. How can we use that for Jesus? And they're impacting the lives of people all around them because they're driving trucks. But they're not just driving trucks. They're driving trucks with a servant's heart towards Jesus. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite, one of my favorites. Uh, and I've got a bunch more that I'm going to have to stop because I'm running out of time. Um, you guys ever heard of the movie Flywheel? Eh, a couple. You ever heard of Facing the Giants? Yeah, there's a little bit more. Have you ever heard of Fireproof? Okay, almost everybody's heard of Fireproof. Do you know how those guys got started? There's a pastor in Sherwood, Georgia who was reading an article by Barna Research, which is a, it's a Christian research company. And, and, and they had interviewed a, over a thousand people, and they said, they came to this conclusion, that the movie theaters, the movies that are playing in the theaters, have more impact on the lives of people in America than the church does. Because the church is still huddling. We ain't done anything yet. We're still just huddling. And but the movies, they're out there and they're impacting culture and they're impacting people's lives and they're changing the way that we think. And he went to his pastor and he said, that's not right. I, I believe it's true, but the, the world should not be impacting, impacted more by movies than they are by the church. And his pastor said, well, what are you going to do about it? He said, I'm going to make movies. <laughs> he was a technical guy. He did, he did the sound and the lights and so forth like, like these guys do up here in the bird's nest. And that's what they did. They loved the techie stuff. He went and bought one camera, made all their props and stuff out of PVC water pipe that he bought at Lowe's Hardware. 
and produced a movie called Facing the Giant, or excuse me, made a movie called Flywheel. Sold out the local theater. They, they were going to play it at church. They were just going to play it at church and pop popcorn um, and that kind of thing and see if they could have people come in that they could impact their lives. Then they said, we'll, we'll make a movie that's got a moral to it and maybe we can lead somebody to the Lord. The local theater got permission to play it, sold out for four weeks solid. So they went back to the, to the theater owners and said, can we play this in some other theaters? And they said, it'll never work. It's, just, it's only selling out because you're right there in the community with the church. They said, well, just give us four theaters and let's just try it as a sample. And they said, that's fine, try it. You can have one theater in each of these four different complexes in different, four different towns. Sold those out for two weeks straight. <laughs> they made enough money to buy two cameras. Okay? That's what they made facing the giants with, two cameras. They still had to make all their own rigs and stuff. And then after that, they made um, Fireproof. Last I heard from the guys in Sherwood... They are in excess of 150,000 people who have accepted Christ because of their movies. And that was prior to Fireproof's numbers coming in. A techie guy who likes electronics who said, God, we can't let the movies impact our society. I've got to do something about this. Bought a handheld camera. And, 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 and over a series of events, over 150,000 people nationwide are going to heaven because of him. You're one man, you're one woman, and you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, I'm just one person, what can I do? And as one person, you may not change the world, but I'm telling you this, you can change the world for one person. There's 14 people that these guys sitting back here, the skateboard and the BMX guys, they changed the world for 14 people yesterday. Their, their life will never be the same. I'm going to play you my worldview. I'm going to show you the difference between my worldview and what the other worldview was if you guys will roll the tape. Something radical will happen. It is foolish to presume that our Father in Heaven is silent. It will be evident that God's glory echoes through the service and compassion of His people. No longer will it be said that we will withhold resources when people need generosity and love. In the future, we will see God's kingdom on earth as it is in Heaven. I do not concede that sacrifice is a thing of the past. A radical movement started with sacrifice and a resurrected Savior 2,000 years ago. That fact changes the way I think about everything. Money will make me happy is a lie. Jesus came to give us life to the fullest. I realize this may be a shock, but I can do something to make a difference. And I refuse to believe that people can't make radical life changes. Amen. Stand up. Stand up for me. Today's your day. What is your next step? It's time to get off the diving board. It's time to get over the jitters. God has called you. He has equipped you. He has given you everything that you need. What are you going to do with it? Figure out what it is that you can do for God. Ask Him. Don't wait till you feel ready. Decide today. Commit to God. And He'll show you 
what He wants you to do. Inside of your bulletins, there are some white cards that you can fill out. I want you to tell God. If you can tell God what you'll do for Him, write it on there. If you can't tell Him, say, God, I don't, even know, I don't know what I can do. But surely if He can use a, 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 a trash guy and a grandma that knits and, and skateboarders and a motorcycle, surely if He can use them, He can use me. Then at least on the card, write down, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. Show me. And pin it to the cross. Don't be afraid of Him. You can trust Him. You can surrender to Him. He's already built it inside of you. And if you don't know Christ, if you, a while ago when I was talking about the person who was separated from God because of their sin, if you don't know Christ, you don't have hope of getting this emptiness inside of you filled up. Because there's nothing on this world that'll do it. But I know who can. And if you'll come down front, I'll be more than happy to introduce you to Him. But for the rest of you, decide today that you're willing to do whatever it takes to be a part of ministry, to get outside the huddle and get in the game. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at And for more information, find us on the web at day3church.com.